This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is still recovering from Christmas. I'm Scott Phillips, and with me is Dr. Anir Bhattacharjee. G'day, Doc. Good day, Captain. How are you? I'm oh, I'm very, very... In fact, well, I don't know how I am, because we're pre-recording this podcast. It's the 28th of December. You should be hearing this, but we didn't record it on the 28th, because even fools deserve a little bit of time off over Christmas. Absolutely. I think you're overseas, aren't you, at the moment? I... I am somewhere. There you go, somewhere overseas. <laughs> somewhere overseas. I, I, I might be in India at that time, actually. There you if I'm, go. If I'm, uh, yeah. Nice. So. I hope you're enjoying yourself. I'm. Uh, I'm at home. Uh, hopefully working. I should be working. I'm, I'm going to work through. But we're not doing the podcast because you're away. So, Phil, this is a pre-recorded special podcast. We love doing these ones. These are a full-on all mailbag, all the time edition. Love that. Motley Fool Money. We love the questions. So let's get on with it, mate. I want to get straight into this. Mm-hmm. We're going to do some, some questions and hopefully give people the answers they're looking for. As always, Fools, while you're listening to this, frankly, when it comes when we come back in January, we're going to be desperate for some content. So uh, there's a lot of corporate news around this time of year. So if you have any questions, please email us, info at fool.com.au, or hit us up on Twitter. That's the best place because we can interact and it's kind of fun. At the Motley Fool AU is our Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. It's called a handle. How, how impressive do I say? I sound? love the handle. I'm all over the social medias. Handle, handle. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm Twittering and, and I don't Instagram because I don't even know what that is really. Mm. But I Facebook. Does, that count? Ah. Does anyone want Facebook anymore? Boo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get, let's get on. So uh, at the Motley Fool AU is our corporate handle. I am at TMF Scott P. That's the Motley Fool. So TMF Scott P. And Doc is at Anirban Mahanti. All one word. A-N-I-R-B-A-N-M-A-H-A-N-T-I. At Anirban Mahanti. All right, let's get on with it, mate. We've got a question. I don't even know who this is from because we pasted it in. So, um, Oh, that's that's unfortunate. Huh? I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Hi there, guys. Long-time listener and sadly second-time writer with a quick question about capital gains. If I'm selling a portion of my position in a company but have recently added to the position within a year, am I still able to claim CGT or capital gains tax? The additional shares would contribute around 5 to 10% of my total investment, so I'm curious if there's a blanket rule or something a little more complicated. Thanks, guys, and Doc, hope you're feeling a little better soon. I think he means me. Yeah, I think he means you. Unless you've been sick. Maybe you have been sick between now and the 28th. No, maybe, uh, yeah. That's, uh, I hope not for your sake. <laughs> if, if you can see the maybe future, had, please get back in touch and let us know which stocks go out Maybe I had year. too much spicy food. You, know, you, know, you, never, you never know. You never know. Um, I had a really, really good Vindaloo the other day. I told you about that. Oh, yeah, you did. It was really good. Anyway. <laughs> Um, uh, keep up the foolish goodness. Thank you very much, listener X, who <laughs> I've copied in here without copying your name. I do desperately apologise. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, all right. So here's the qu- here's the question in a, in a nutshell, Doc. You've, you're selling a position. You bought some more than a year ago. You bought some within the year. Mm-hmm. What happens to capital gains tax? Um, okay. First, general advice. This is what I think will happen. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> always check with an accountant for these sort of things. That is always uh, the best that advice. Is, that, that is the best advice and that's the correct advice. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> because I am not an accountant. Um, I think what will happen is, suppose you bought 100 shares, let's assume, you bought yep. 100 shares one year ago. Well, and you two, a- two years ago to make sure we're uh, let's, over let's the year. You bought it two years ago and you bought 50 more six months, six ago. months back. Okay. Now you're selling those, you know, 150 shares. I would think you mm-hmm. would treat the 100 for long-term capital gains Correct. and the 50 as short-term capital gains. That is exactly or the way Or loss works. or whatever it is. Yep. You know, you just treat them as different lots. Correct. And, and you know, th- that's the way I think is the correct way. Yep. So the capital gains tax rules apply to the tranches of shares that you have bought when you bought them. So you break up the shares. If 100 to Doc's point are over a year old, then they fall into the long-term capital gains tax regime. You get a discount. Uh, a tax discount for those capital gains, and the so- shares you sold more recently, or sorry, you bought more recently, uh, are subject to short-term capital gains. In other words, there's no discount for long-term holdings. So, yeah. uh, yep, absolutely, that's exactly the rule. 
Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Next question. Hi, Scott and Eban. Mm-hmm. I have a, Hello. Oh, this one's from Chris. Excellent. I've got, oh no, it's not from Chris. We've come, Jason. Oh, Jason, Jason, Jason. Jason. There yeah. we go. Sorry, Jason. Hi, Scott and Eban. I've enjoyed listening to your podcast. He's listening to the rules. Yeah. Best way to get mentioned is exactly. to men- tell us how much you love the podcast. He didn't say I love it though. He said I enjoyed listening. Mm. Is that good enough? Oh, we'll let it pass this oh, time. Just, just Next time, you know, Jason, just say you love it. You love the podcast. And, and share Jason. share the podcast with someone you love. There you go. <laughs> I think, so that, that, there's, the, there's the new rules. We're up, bringing, we're up the ante here. I love your podcast, and I've shared it with a friend, and exactly. I have a question. Exactly. All right. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed listening to your podcast, and I've taken away some very useful tips. And oh, he's, he's, he's really redeemed himself there. Mm-hmm. He's taken away some very useful tips and insights into investing mm-hmm. well, from, from, our, from our podcast. Oh, wouldn't you think so? Oh, maybe he's listening to someone else's. Oh, no, it's our podcast. You sure? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. We, we do our best. Yeah. All right. When you, Here's a question for you, dude. When you look at a potential company to invest in, mm-hmm. how much value do you place in the future outlook section of the annual report? How much value do you place in the exact biography section? And has one or both ever tipped you over to pressing the buy or sell button? So let's take these separately, mate. So how much value do you place in the future outlook section in an annual report? Man, this is a really hard question, Isn't actually. It? It's, a question, hard, it's a tough question, Jason. Um, y- you know, um, and I'll try to do as much justice as I can. <laughs> because, again, I'm onto this nuance thing. I'm going to try to be more nuanced oh, again. not again. Uh, okay, I'll try. Here's the thing. My cynical view could be that, you know, every company's <laughs> job is to sell their company as the greatest company <laughs> on the planet, right? Yes. So, if that's the case, the future outlook section is going to be very, very rosy. Right. Uh, so, you have to make an informed judgment. Based so, they skip. Well, be a bit skeptical. Always okay. be a bit skeptical. You know, if you're always super skeptical, then you know everything is going to look bad, and you know the world is always coming to an end, and then you'll never do anything, right? I mean, I mean, you know, you, you don't, you shouldn't be like, you know, everything. This is all going to be, you know, false. You don't think like that. But you look at what the company has done in recent times. Yep. Look uh, at okay, what. Okay, so let's separate this out because this is why I wanted to get to the bottom of it, right? Yeah. So the future outlook section of the annual report specifically. Yeah. You're saying Well, I am saying that look at what the what the business has done okay. over the recent past. Right. Do you think looking at the recent past mm-hmm. they have the ability to deliver on the future that they think they're uh, going to deliver? That's number there you one. Go. Okay. Um, the number two is that you have to also think about you have to think bro- more broadly about the industry that mm-hmm. the company is in. You have to look about you have to think about the competitive pressures in the industry. Mm-hmm. You have to think about the resources they need to execute on that plan. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole you know whole slew of things right. that matter when you're thinking about the future. I mean, can uh, I put words in your mouth? Yeah, I reckon what I'm hearing you saying is I don't care. I, I care a little bit about the future outlook. I care a whole lot more about the actual future. In other words, what the company says is interesting. What I think about the future is far more useful. Yeah. As I said, you will always have the best. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the easy job, man. I have to summarize what you just said. You, you've got to think of it in, in, uh, so, uh, no, in real I think, time. No, I think you're ab- absolutely right. I, I think that's the thing. Um, so the, I, I think, yeah. So I take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you really have to conceptualize the company and think about the future. We have seen plenty of future outlooks that promise the world and deliver absolutely nothing. Yeah. And we've seen some that have under-promised and over-delivered. Over-delivered, yeah. And some that are kind of there or thereabouts. I, I, I'm going to attempt an answer this bit and then I'll throw it back to you again. I place almost zero, um, almost zero value on the future outlook mm. section, other than the extent to which they're telling you strategically where they're intending to head. Mm-hmm. 
So you get a sense of what their what their framework is, if you like, and then mm-hmm. I'll think about that framework in the context of, as you said, the, the future that I expect for the company and the industry and the category and the market and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So if 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 Woolworths says, and guess what, we're going into three D printing, <laughs> I'm going to say, well, okay, yeah, and, you know, and they'll say, and we'll make fifteen billion dollars out mm-hmm. of it, and we'll be the largest three D printer in the world. Mm-hmm. Do I care about any of that stuff? No. Do I care about the strategic direction? Yes. And that's the bit I will mm. probably try and stress test and, and see whether I believe it or not. Cool. I agree with that. Executive biographies, mate. So the people running the business. Mm. You've looked at you've looked at the annual report. Yes. You've, you've, you've kind of given a, a little bit of a glance at the future mm. outlooks. So, okay, well, I kind of get mm. that. All right. I'm still interested to some degree. Who's running this place? Mm-hmm. And you find out there's a bloke called uh, Ned Kelly, and you're like, well, I'm not sure about that one. Or uh, Alan Bond, maybe, or mm-hmm. Christopher Scase. And you start mm. to think, well, how much value do you put in the biographies of the executives that are running the place? And, and at what level? Okay. So, uh, I mean, I don't actually care too much about what's written in the biography. Right. But I do care a lot about who's running the business. Okay. Right. And, and, and so the biography is more puff stuff? Yeah, the biography has stuff. You know, I have an MBA, I have a PhD, and, you know, I have... Well, some of have PhDs. Uh, some have, you know, PhDs. The rest of us... I'm yeah. the least qualified person in my house now. Do you know that? <laughs> well, my wife's a doctor. Yeah, your wife's a PhD. My mother-in-law's got a master's degree. Oh, there we go. And my 22-year-old young bloke's got a, got a, a master's. Yeah. I've got a graduate diploma. Yeah. I'm literally the, well, but other than my but, five-year-old. But you have a podcast. Uh-uh. <laughs> anyone can have a podcast these days. We are, we are living and, proof that anyone can have a podcast, mate. And, and you're on TV. Um, oh, there we go. See, uh, uh, so so random, random tangent. My five-year-old, when I'm on TV on Sunday mornings, yeah. mom, his mum says, do you want to watch daddy on TV? He says, no, thank you. <laughs> he watches Power Rangers. Brother's dad on TV. Oh, I don't blame him. That's a, oh, <laughs> oh, oh. Come on, he's a five-year-old. <laughs> dear, oh dear. That was harsh. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you too, pal. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> All right. Okay. Tell, me about, so, tell me about what you think about executives. So I, I think executives, people running the business, are very, very important. So who is yep. the CEO, the chairman, um, the CEO? How do they act? Do they act like owners? Yep. Um, you know, do they have integrity? Mm-hmm. Do they, you know, do they just... Stay, say stuff or do they actually do stuff yeah, right. so you, you can I, I think I think all of those things matter instead of everything else mm-hmm. you know, and of course if, if somebody for example a serial entrepreneur uh, you know and if I'm looking for high growth you know kind of risky high reward high risk type of business that will play into my mind in the sense that yes if I know this guy has done this this and this at least they have gone through the cycles of innovating you know being and raising right, right. money and so on and so forth so it track, plays, record, matters, track right? record matters but you know it's not just what the words are so you mm-hmm. know you have to do a bit of digging around um, mm. So the people matter, not necessarily what's written, and you need to find out what they, you know, what they really are, which is really hard sometimes because right, right. I mean, you know, the thing. Oh, totally, is, yeah. Which is is important because you know we do a lot of like, you know company interviews and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. With with management, but one of the things that I found is that you know, after every meeting, I come across very impressed with the company yes. because because most managers are good salespeople. That's what they're hired for, and this right? is what they're supposed. And most to their backgrounds are in sales. That's <laughs> exactly. the point. Great so, salespeople getting promoted to yeah, run the company. To run the company. So and you know, there's been. Maybe one or two CEOs said, ah, maybe that was not that <laughs> impressive, but you know, they were very honest. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, most of them come across, hey, this is, you know, this is the best company I've seen in recent times. So, I yeah. mean, you know, you've got to have some perspective there and take, take that into account. Completely um, agree. There are also some people who actually don't pay any attention to management at all, by the way, and just and just look at the business itself and the economics. The, the Buffett's got a great quote about when a, when a management for reputation for brilliance meets a company with a reputation mm. for bad economics. It's the reputation of the company that remains intact. In other words, it's very, very hard for even the best manager to fix a terrible business. Absolutely. Um, also, by the way, harder for a terrible manager to destroy a great business, though it's possible. As you say, though, Doc, the more the more the degree to which the business is trying to innovate, grow, um, disrupt, 
that the more stole you need to place in the person running the business. Mm-hmm. I couldn't run Tesla to save myself. Elon Musk is doing a spectacular job, right? He there's, is awesome. There's, there's very. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I mentioned it. All right, we're moving on. Motley Fool Money. For more, go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. We got a question from um, uh, Chris who says, Hi guys, enjoy the podcast. Listened in on the Microsoft v. Apple discussion last week, a couple of weeks ago now, but was a bit disappointed there was no mention of the Xbox. Now, I'm not sure if Chris is, a, is an unhappy gamer or he genuinely thinks the Xbox should be mentioned for its, for its value to the business. What's your take on the $100 billion industry... And is it a smart place to invest? So this is a kind of cool question. So, he, you know, we talk about Microsoft, we think Office, we talk about Apple, and we think, you know, um, I, I don't think about Apple at all, actually, if I can avoid it. Um, <laughs> it's not true. It's not true. Um, but, you know, to, to some degree, though, the Xbox is a is part of the Microsoft story. Hmm. It's certainly been, you know, it, once upon a time, it was the, the the fight for the living room, it was called, and Xbox was supposed to be the great device that was supposed hmm. to be the, the the home media center, a, hmm. a la Sony's PlayStation, and everyone's given it a go to some degree. No one's really com- conquered the living room, which we'll talk about now hmm. on the podcast. I'm fascinated by the fact no one's been able to come up with a solution for that. Anyway. What's your take on the gaming industry? I'm not talking gaming here about gambling, but, right, right. but video game video industry. Game, yeah. So thinking about yeah. the, pur- the purveyors of the boxes and the purveyors of the games, right. how do you think about electronic games? Okay. So electronic games, huge market. As yep. he said, huge market. So you know, I give Chris like full credit for you know, pointing that out. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the Microsoft store, it's, it's one piece of the Microsoft pie. Mm. It doesn't matter that much. I mean, it, everything matters. They all add up, but it's yep. not like that significant. Yep. Um, so so the if if there are many ways to play the video game mm. um, uh, video game market or you know the gaming market you know mm-hmm. him you know one of the interesting facts I like to mention is the the biggest gaming company is is not a gaming company that you would think of. The biggest gaming okay. company in the world is Tencent in China. That's true. That's <laughs> that, a good point. That, that, that's, so, so, I mean, um, so if you want to play the gaming mm, industry, mm. there are many other pure players like you know, Acti- Acti- Activision Blizzard yeah, and so yeah. on and so forth, um, Electronic Arts. Microsoft is, a, is you know, it's not, it's a Microsoft is a cloud player now, really. Yeah. Um, so, and that's why we didn't talk about Xbox in that context. You know, as, as I've said many times, I have huge respect for what Microsoft has achieved and it, again, we have talked about this you know in podcasts yep. i think you know that what they've done shows many things about you know how how you know how to run a great blue chip sort of mm-hmm. thing you know and mm-hmm. and how to transform yourself so yeah, yeah. i i think the gaming industry is great i think it's very important mm-hmm. as our internet bandwidths have improved as we have gone more mobile this is just becoming more and more important right um yeah a great place to be so in short, though, you're saying that Xbox doesn't really contribute a whole lot of value to Microsoft as a business. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not not like a big dial mover. It's mm-hmm. important for them, but it's you know, like they do many other things. They they build they have surface computers, right? Is it really a dial mover for them? Not really, but yeah, it's important for them to be there. Strategically, it's a place. Strategically, to be. it's a place to, for them to be there. And it may still be that eventually an Xbox or a competitor wins the living room. So you kind of want to be in that space with some, yeah, but you know, a finger in that pie somewhere. Yeah, mate, do you have a do you have a preferred? Gaming games, you know, I am actually not not a gamer. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I, I. What as an investor, is there one you kind of do, do you? Um, I think Activision Blizzard is really good. I okay. I personally own Tencent. Okay. I like it large uh, largely for other reasons as well because of, <laughs> right. because of because of just because of its, its dominance in the China market, yep. because of its WeChat platform and so on and so forth. Uh, but I do believe gaming is an important platform, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, Activision Blizzard is is a really good. It's a company that's actually on uh, your scorecard. There you go. Um, and and, and I really like it. Very good. I'm glad you like it. 
Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Mate, uh, let's move on to something completely different from electronic games to commodities. Derek asked us a question. He said, hey, guys, I'm having trouble finding a good commodity ETF or exchange-traded funds. Can you please list a few and examine them if possible? Cheers, Derek. <laughs> Should I read my re- reply? Do you want to read my reply? <laughs> you read the reply. I, I, I said, g'day, Derek. We tend not to be particularly positive on commodities, but we'll see what we can... <laughs> <laughs> dig, dig up, up. <laughs> um, dig up. Commodities dig. Oh, it was funny when I wrote so, it. So now that you wrote that, you know, I have to actually dig up something. No, look, I so I, I, I don't have a view, actually, yeah. big view on commodities. Unfortunately, Derek, I mean, yeah, it's it's not. I really don't think I have anything to really offer. Much. No, I, I think I think that look to Doc's point. I completely agree, Derek. I think look, we we don't we don't. I, we don't have any mining companies, any of our scorecards, and if we did, that's a that's a very large jump then from the from the miner to the commodity itself. Um, you're relying purely on price movement there, at least with the mining companies. You've got some sense of operational excellence and profitability, mm-hmm. and 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 kind of you know um, you mentioned before, doc, kind of past history, the ability to operate a mine well and cheaply and and cost effectively is a good mm-hmm. indicator of future operational success, even if not profitable success, because mm-hmm. you got to, got a bit on the price. Commodity ETFs are all about the price. Um, mate, look, our best advice is, frankly, if you're going to... Well, I, I would say my best advice in general, people is don't try to play the game. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's a smart way. And I'm not saying you're not smart, Derek, but I don't personally think it's a smart way to try and make money in the share market. There are many, many better ways, I think. Um, what I would say, though, if you're going to do it is, as always with every ETF, fees matter hugely. So if you think you can get the commodities right, then great. By all means, do it if you want to. And if you think you're, you're going to be right about it, but keep your fees low. That's the best advice I can give you around commodities. And any ETF is the lower the fees, the better, because over compound periods of time, fees can eat literally, you know, 20, 30, 40% of your returns if you're not careful. So keep fees low um, and good luck. Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Last question from the steady investor mm-hmm. on Twitter. Uh, at Bogle underscore investor. That's so a we good like, name. We I like, like the that, name. don't we? Mm. Yeah. So he says, uh, was just listening to yesterday's podcast, regard- was again, a couple of weeks ago, regarding, I should I should probably do this better, shouldn't I? Was listening to a recent podcast, mm-hmm. so much better, I'll edit the other bit out mm-hmm. <laughs> regarding your thoughts on margin loans to invest in ETFs, which was kind of the conversation we were having. Yes. <laughs> There's a no margin call loan from NAB. And the steady investor says, does, that, does a no margin call loan make any difference to your opinion? Mm. Now, just to really quickly recap, I don't, I, I don't borrow for sh- to, to invest in shares because when margin calls will happen, you least expect them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, while we all think we're going to be cleverer than the other guy, by definition, most of us aren't. Um, and the chance that you get margin called, you have to sell your shares at a low price, can really destroy most or all of your capital. Mm. It's a really, really risky and necessary way to play the game. But in this case, there's a product from NAB that doesn't have a margin call as such. Mm. It's called NAB Equity Builder for those who, who care. And he asked, you know, does that change, she maybe, but does that change our view? Now, I had a bit of a look at this product. I don't know if you've had a chance to have a look Mm-mm. at it, Doc. Mm. I look at this particular product. It's, it, there is no margin call, mm-hmm. but NAB reserves the right to reduce the facility, right? Now, if you think about So, that, LVR? Well, no, the, the size of the facility. Okay. So, let's say you've got a loan. You borrow $100,000 to buy some shares. Yeah. NAB could universally decide, and it may not, right? So, I'm not, I'm not ascribing any... any um, uh, any actions or intent to NAB mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. But in the realm of possibility, NAB could, when the market went terribly, say, yeah, so doc, I've decided to reduce your facility to 30 grand. 
Uh, that's a margin now, call. It's not a, well, it's not a margin call in the sense that they're not, they're not penalising you for the shares having fallen in value at all. They could do it when the market's up, by the way. So it, it, may, it may not happen. Mm. It may not happen at the wrong times. But the reality is they reserve the right to simply reduce the amount they're prepared to lend to you. Now, in that circumstance, it's reasonable to assume they would require their money to be repaid down to that facility level at mm. a reasonably short notice in a reasonably short amount of time. Mm. I haven't seen the details of that. Um, but in some circumstances, there would be scenarios where, well, I don't say your shares aren't worth a certain percentage of the of the equity value, which is mm. what, when a margin call happens. They could, it seems, by my reading, I'm not a lawyer, but it seems to my reading, they could simply say, yeah, we're lowering the value of your loan. Mm. So sell some shares or, or give us some more cash to meet that. Yeah. Which is kind of, it's not a margin call, but it's effectively the same, has the same impact, has the same dollar cost, dollar impact as a margin call. So, yeah. yeah. If that's true, that's basically a pseudo margin well, call. Well, I mean, again, we don't know if they do it right. It's not, it's not automatic. The other thing yeah. is not automatic, right? So margin call is automatic. If your shares fall below a certain percentage, then you have to pay it back or they will sell your shares immediately. So that's, yeah. that's automatic. This is less automatic and probably less, um, less harsh, probably, mm. than a margin call. Um, but we don't know the circumstance under which they may exercise mm. their right to reduce the facility. Mm. I would, yeah. Uh, again, it's one of those things where you're placing your future prosperity in the hands of somebody else. And again, the, the more control you give someone else who can, with a stroke of a pen, virtual or otherwise, change your financial future or your, mm. your financial current circumstances, I, I just don't reckon you need to borrow. So look, maybe NAB never does it. Maybe it's all wonderful. Maybe it's all fine. Mm. I don't want to be the one who finds out they've halved my, margin, my my loan facility and I have to pay back half of it when the market's down 40%. Yeah, and you'll have to look at what the interest rate is on that loan as well, right? I mean, uh, if the interest rate is high, mm-hmm. it, 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 it basically eats into your, into your it's returns. It's an okay rate from memory, but yes, it does ask you to eat in your returns. And in a negative yeah. environment, you're actually making a loss, right? So you want to yeah. be careful so, how that works. Yeah. All right. We hope you've enjoyed our special kind of between Christmas and New Year mailbag special. We hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Be safe, be sensible on New Year's Eve, please. We don't have that many listeners we can afford to lose any. Uh, So please do the right thing. Look after yourselves. Look after your mates. Have a wonderful New Year. We'll be back in the New Year in 2019. Absolutely. A little more foolish goodness. But before you go, if you're listening to this, maybe you've subscribed, maybe you haven't, hit the subscribe button on your podcast player or go to Apple's what is it? IPod? Beautiful. What do they call it? In a podcast. Apple you know, podcast, the podcast app. app yeah. right. we have or the download podca- one from the Android, from the Apple, the Google, Apple, geez, how am I going? The Google Play Store. <laughs> uh, find a great <laughs> podcast app. Subscribe so you don't miss any of our goodness in 2019. We'll be back bigger, better, and, well, probably the same size and about as good. So <laughs> I don't know about bigger, better. <laughs> we'll be back anyway with some foolish goodness next year. <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Full on. Full on. <laughs> The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.